Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. Self at all times, the same commands at all times. Coach goes if you like. That's right. Fighter, trainer, gym owner, manager, promoter, commentator, and publisher. This bloke wears whatever hat he needs to to better Australian Muay Thai. A guy that I've known for 25 years, enjoyed a million laughs with as well. We are one-on-one with Mark the Hammer Castanini. Now, mate, our introduction was Melbourne, late 1990s, a Tarek Solak promotion. It was Gurkhan Ozkan and Tibor Vermez. Perhaps to this day, the craziest night of combat sport we've ever seen. Do you recall it? Jeez, um, vaguely, you're, you're, uh, you're testing my memory there, Andy, but uh, mate, good to hear your voice as well, and thank you for that great intro. Um, yeah, vaguely I do. I think it ended in a bit of controversy, didn't it, from memory with... With Dana Goodson jumping in the ring and a fight being called off, is that? Am I on, on the money with that? You're, you're on the money. It started the night with the promoter, the legendary Tarek <laughs> Solak, telling the crowd to go home. Uh, then uh, Tibor yeah. and Gurkhan <laughs> went at it, and and one of them got out of the ring. Dana Goodson got in the ring. There yeah. were issues everywhere throughout the auditorium. But mate, a crazy night. However, it was a golden era in Muay Thai and kickboxing, the late 90s, early 2000s. I yeah. guess on the back of some genuine superstars in Stan Longanides and Sam Greco, a new group had emerged. Hard yeah. to better those times, but there were a lot of guys coming through. Oh, there was. Look, will those days ever be back? Personally, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, you think about the, the, the larger-than-life personalities, you know, the magazines at the time that I was running, for yep. for those that don't know, publishing was huge. Magazines, when you got into a magazine, I was talking to someone about this the other day, you know, these days every Muppet in their backyard's a fucking superstar, yeah. excuse my language, but the, you know what I mean? They you know, put up a couple of clips, hit in a bag, and, you know, and everyone's like, oh, you're crazy, yeah, that's sick. It's different when someone's punching you in the face and you've got to coordinate your skills in front of an arena full of people uh, or even an auditorium full of people and there's pressure and all of that, you know. So to get in the magazine when I I was, you know, overseeing the the combat sports magazines at the time, there was a real vetting process, you know. We made sure that fighters' records were solid. We made sure that they were aspirational. We made sure that they were skillful. We made sure that, you know, this is this is a benchmark of our industry. So people knew when a fighter was in a magazine or they got exposed on TV that they were the shit. They were the yep. thing, you know, they were yep. they were that's where you want to be. That's what that's like that's all you want to cheer for. Now everyone's just flooded social media, everyone's a pad holder, everyone's a fighter, everyone's a hero. Uh, people don't know what they're seeing, you know. Don't get me started on you know what was a multitude of so many titles and sanctioning bodies and other garbage that went with it back, you know, back some years ago. Yeah. That all 
went away to watering down the, the business and the and and the uh, the combat sports in some way. So I think looking back at, at you know not not want to sound like the old bugger, but back then life was a little simpler. Yeah, yeah. People people knew when they read about someone in a magazine or saw them on a magazine cover that they were the real deal. Yes. They wanted to seek them out. They wanted to go to the events. They wanted to see for themselves in the flesh what these people move like, um, you know. So that's that was where the real building phase happened. It was it was a, a combination of print. It was uh, you know electronic media. It was you know people you know people going along to the events and mm-hmm. talking about the events that created the referral referrals to go to further events. Um, you know there was, it was a whole different time, but I would say. The fighters were good then. The fighters are great, great fighters. There's some, don't get me wrong, the technology and the training methods of fighters now far better than what, yeah. you know, how I was, how I went through and some of those guys went through. We were raw, man. We were, we were just doing crazy shit. Fighters were training up until almost a day of their fight. Yep. They were doing mad stuff, you know, that you saw in martial art movies that you thought, oh, this is what you got to do. Well, now there's all sports science in, in, in strength and conditioning and, and you know, uh, speed and power development and reflex and timing. and You know, the technology has helped to create great athletes. Mm. But at the same time, the social media has created a lot of confusion to the general public, to the uninitiated that don't know what they're seeing. So they're just flooded with all these options and all these people and all these things. They have no idea what's going on. So there's a lot, a lot of good things happening. But it's sort of cloaked in a lot of confusion at now, as opposed to then. Back then, it was a very clear process. Fighters would get would fight hard. They'd get exposure. They'd build the crowds up, uh, and it was a very sort of everyone stayed in their lane. Yes. If that makes sense. Now everyone's all over the shop, doing everything. You know, everyone's a champion. Everyone's this. Mm. Everyone's you know crazy good because they can throw a couple of punches on Instagram. You know, it, it, it's. It's a bit disappointing, but it's the way of the world these days. It is, mate. Uh, for those unfamiliar, Blitz Magazine publications, they flooded our news agencies for years. They were the go-to for combat sports in Australia for so long. Magazines struggle yeah. across the board now simply because of online content and free online content. Is the message, yeah. the advertising, the promotion still as prominent and effective as it once was, Hammer? Well, again... The message is very convoluted because when someone searches for combat or whatever you search for, mm. algorithms come into play. And, and I'm, a, I'm a part of this world now because I've had to, you know, use the, the old term, pivot my business and pivot what I do. So no longer am I printing magazines. Now we're putting online content out and yep. doing stuff like this great podcast and so forth. So you, you've, you've got to just um, try and have a clear message. But where people get confused is when they search for something, then obviously that their search uh, search engines or the search engines will pick up that people are searching for combat sports content, mm. and they'll be flooded with a whole array of everything, which then therefore creates confusion. Yep. So they don't. If you if you're in the game and you know what you're looking at, you know oh, that's <laughs> that's garbage. Yep. But if you don't. And you've got one guy, you know, legit working out with his trainer and and doing everything right. Okay, well, that's awesome. Next minute, you've got some dude doing a dim Mac move, not touching anyone. The bloke's falling over. Yeah. They're like, well, what the hell's that? You know, in the, in people that know will go, oh, that's ridiculous. But people that don't know, it's like, you know, I don't know a lot about 
how to wire a hardboard in the computer. Yep. He'd show me two wires and a bit of board, and I'm like, let's stick that in that, and here we go. But, you know, people that know computers would go, that's that's ridiculous. Yep. So from a combat sports perspective, some of the stuff that we see is like, oh, that bloke's a joke. Mm. But you've got to understand, a lot of people look at it and go, how crazy is that? Look, he's fallen over and he's hardly touching him. So um, you know what I mean? So the, the confusion created by social media searches and so forth, it's, it's, a, it's a really broad topic. It makes it difficult to get a legitimate message out to a potential new fight fan because they're inundated with so much garbage yeah. from so many idiots, you know? Mate, the golden era, and I'm a bit like you uh, in terms of the old buggers that perhaps think it was better back in the day, but that golden era that we came through in Muay Thai and kickboxing, the best fought the best, and often they worked a rematch and or two in it, which is unlike any other combat sport at the time. Traditionally, the best Australian boxers kept well apart. They kept in their lanes, as you'd like to put it. But we had some amazing series of fights and feuds and matchups that I don't think will ever be repeated. Oh, look, it goes back to, you know, back in the day, if you look at soccer before it became really mainstream, you had, you know, uh, you know Croatia versus, you know, Greece, and, yeah. you know, whatever. So they, they, the, the authenticities rivalry was really played upon, you know, back in the 80s, I yep. suppose. Then, you know, uh, Frank Lowey took over soccer and cleaned it all up and said, look, it's just going to be teams now. Yep. That also played a part in, in those, you know, early 90s where the kickboxing yep. was the Greeks versus the Turks. You know, the Italians never really got a Guernsey because there wasn't enough of us fighting. But, (laughs) you know, there was those major groups, the Lebos, this, that, everyone was, you know, so they really, you know, Tarek, God rest his soul, he's passed away, unfortunately. But, um, you know, he was one that, and a couple other promoters really played on that because they got the the ethnic groups in and they were cheering and, you know, it got a little bit heated at times, which is all part of the business. But um, it created that rivalry, that, that, and rivalry, be it footy, you know, uh, Sydney versus Melbourne rivalry. You, you know, you've got different. So you know that you know uh, Sydney, uh, New South Wales versus Queensland rivalry. You know, it's the same thing. Yeah, you've got your passionate fans that are that are you know banding up and supporting their teams and getting in there and, and making it an event. Well, that was how some of the early fight fight events ran. That didn't go so well, and I've got to say, I probably. Although I appreciated it, I didn't really agree with it because yep. it did ostracise a lot of people that were, would be intimidated by that sort of rivalry. Mm. So that that had subsequently been dampened down and then we, we started to just focus on the athletes more than the, the origins of, yeah. of their heritage. Um, you know, we, we went from there, as you said, to, to the fighter rivalries there was the state versus state rivalries because yep. Queensland was king for a long time in Muay Thai. And then, you know, Perth had a strong charge and Melbourne was very, you know, kickboxing-centric. So was Sydney. So there was, you know, always the interest of, okay, you know, a Muay Thai fighter from Melbourne was always the underdog against someone from Queensland because yep. they were so well-pedigreed. Um, now, why were they well-pedigreed? Simple. Because in Queensland, there's no government regulation on Muay Thai or combat sports, whereas in Melbourne... You know, if you fart, there's a fart joke for you, Andy. If you fart, someone's yes. going to get registered for it. So I worked <laughs> that in for you, buddy. So you know, someone's got to get registered if they, you know, if they drop a fart somewhere because someone's got to check their paperwork. Yeah. Queensland don't have those restraints. Perth didn't, although they're coming in a bit now. Mm. So you know, the, the the industry 
sort of uh, morphed over time, you know, with through various things. Um, the nationality, you know, rivalries were traded off. The fighters, the real fighters come through. Yep. The emergence of that K1 in Japan, you know, that was huge. Yeah, it was. What we're talking for, for the young kids, okay, what is UFC now? It used to be K1 for us back then. K1 kickboxing in Japan, you know, was sponsored by Schick and they have these massive sponsorship noodle companies were putting fighters' faces on boxes and noodles and mm. razors and cars and everything. So, you know, the likes of Sam Greco and Mike Bernardo and Ernesto Hust and Peter Ertz, these greats, these great heavyweights were celebrities in Japan and back in their homelands as well, which then fired the, the interest in kickboxing in the, in the yes. countries of origin for these fighters somewhat, which is how we grew a little bit here. Now, when, when the kickboxing started to die down a bit, all of a sudden, evolution, yep. which you and I worked at so many times, and the, you know, the atmosphere at Chandler Arena was absolutely phenomenal. You know, shows put on by, by Nugget and Josh and the team, those guys really leveled up. And I know they didn't make a lot of money out of those shows. They did it for the passion. Man. They did it because they loved Muay Thai and they wanted it to be a big sport. They wanted to take it to a big arena, mm. have the big walkouts, have, you know, everything like WWE almost, yeah. you know, uh, and create superstars. And that was done in hand in hand with the magazine and, you know, what we were doing back then, working as a, co- a co- collaboration. And you and I, obviously, through the good graces of, of Fox Sports, mm. um, we were brought together to get it on national TV, which took the, the, the profile of the sport to a whole other level. So there was a, there's a number of things that, Grew the sport to the to the to the level that it grew back in the I suppose the um, the late late nineties you know early two thousands yep. really was when it was the big years you know you got to host Hammer Time on Fox Sports with myself that was your lifelong goal something you were and rightfully so yep. to this day very very proud yep. of I I pitched that as you know with uh, many conversations about man what can I do to get this show on you know I've yeah. got this idea and originally. I, I didn't want to call it Hammer Time. I wanted to call it The Fight Show, like the footy show. Yep. We call it The Fight Show. I designed a little, you know, master logo. And, I, I, you know, it wasn't about me. It was about doing something, a panel show for, for the martial arts and, and combat sports. Um, and, you know, back when I pitched it, and it, it took nearly eight years of, of being told no, eventually I was, you know, I was told yes. And I think it was Jared that, that, that's, uh, you know, said that with Matty Taylor, that a couple bit of the management back then, you know, give me a hearing. And and they were the ones that actually said, no, we don't want to call it the fight show. We'll call it Hammer Time. It was, you know, Jared Frigberg back then that said, we'll, we'll do that. And I was anti it because I'm like, man, enough people hate me already, you know. <laughs> I'm going to stick my name on a TV show. Wow. How, you know, they're really going to go to town. So let, let, let's, let's put that on the record, which has never been spoken about before. Number one. I think I'm the first and only fighter in this country to have a weekly TV show that I pitched and put out there, and, and you and I made it reality with, of course, our uh, our, our good mate uh, Josh O'Neill, who's now gone on to be, you know, he's a, he's a, been a producer on Survivor, yep, and you know he's, he's gone on Survivor, he's gone and done Big Brother, done a, he's working on the, one of those ambulance shows now, you know, he started as one of he's one of my students, and we we started from nothing, us, you know, and we created. You know what has been the only weekly fight show in Australian history. Uh, you know that was that was put to air, and I'm very proud of the fact that I made that. You know, I made that 
happened, I suppose, yep. with the, with the support of, of you, yourself and other great people. Um, and I, I don't think it'll ever happen again. I don't know. Um, but, you know, that's something that I, I, I take to the grave with me as being one of my one of my greatest achievements in my lifetime so far. I'll speak for myself because I don't want to get you into trouble, but we've covered kickboxing for nearly 15 years, at very least monthly. The show Hammer Time finally gets up and running and then someone in TV land makes the decision to stop showing <laughs> kickboxing. So we finally had a magazine show to showcase the industry, yeah. but no show to follow up. I still can't get my head around that. Uh, I think yeah. crippled Australian Muay Thai and kickboxing in one decision. In fact, heartbreaking yeah. for so many people. Yeah, look, I think, you know, looking back at, at how how things come to pass, we, we started to get great, you know, headway and traction and it was certainly building. And, you know, I, I remember one of, one of the experiences I had, one of the best things that happened to me with regards to that show was I was sitting in a food court one day just in a major shopping centre just having my lunch, you know, on my own, and this bloke come up to me and he looked like a 60-year-old accountant and his wife was, you know, same very conservative lady, well-groomed, Beautiful people, you know, like you look like your grandparents. Yes. And they come up and they go, oh, excuse me, I don't want to bother you when you're having your lunch, but we just want to tell you we really love your show. How cool. And I'm like, they go, we just, we started watching it once by chance. And I think it was when Kaylee Reese was on. Remember that episode yeah. with Kaylee? You know, it's a female fighter that really represents well. And they go, we saw this, you know, this segment about this girl that's a fighter and just changed our whole perception of the fight world and the fight industry. Yeah. And they go, we never miss it. We never miss a show now. We love it. So, you know, we just wanted to tell you that we, you know, we're not fight fans. We just come across the show and then, and now we, we watch it religiously. And I'm like, that was like goal achieved for me, just yep. to show a different side of fighters and fight sports and, you know, how hard, you know, people work, you know, their, their, they're so goal driven mm. and so uh, underestimated and, and underappreciated in a lot of ways compared to other athletes. So for me to to have that be able to to say I contributed to changing just a few people's perceptions of fighting and and fighters, um, it meant a lot to me because you know as soon as you talk about fighting, people yeah they turn yeah. their nose up and they think everyone's thugs and every girl that does it's a butch and this and that and it's not right. Nah, it's not. So I always work hard to show that fighting, especially Muay Thai or kickboxing, essentially a a, a a type of combat sport that are martial arts based. Yeah, it's not about slagging off your opponent and you know being a thug. It's about having dedication in your life, discipline in your life, dedication to training discipline to diet and health and fitness and training and your and your, your teammates and your training partners pushing each other all positive stuff that you know we see the rocky stories of the kid from the street you know doing no good to come good because he's a fighter well they're real stories they're real people yeah. turning their lives around you know and i know firsthand i train people every freaking day of my life and i have stories of people that have come up to me and go thank you i was an alcoholic thank you you know, I, I was I was an ice user. I stopped mm. all of that. Now I found training. I love it. You know, these stories are things that people don't hear about. They only hear about the shit. You know, and they they see the they see the monkeys running around doing the ridiculous stuff, the hype up fights. You know, th this these are the things that I uh, some of it I agree with because I'm a bit a promoter as well, and I know you need hype. But other times, 
You have to think sometimes our, our actions will create a perception to the general public that we're just fools, that, you know, we're, we're, paid, we're paid to be fools in a ring and beat each other up. And that's absolutely not what we are as fighters, you know. We're not that. Um, and I think going back to your original topic on, on why the show, the show uh, you know, we, we were sort of uh, copped, the, copped the beating there with the, the Muay Thai and the kickboxing. It's simply it's pure and simple business with the UFC just yep. gobbling up all the budget that we were we were graciously given. They've just gone, you know what, we can't. We're paying UFC at the time it was, I think, $7 million or something for rights. There was no money for us. Mm. You know, our show was produced with, you know, out of Eddie Maguire's Maguire Media here in Melbourne. You know, they put a lot into it. We put our heart and soul into it, but everything costs money. And, you know, they just, they, they, they seen MMA and UFC as being the way. And you know what? In some ways, they're right because mm. look at, look at the size of the UFC now. So it's just gobbled up all of those uh, smaller, smaller combat sports. Mate, you mentioned the thugs in your last answer. There's always that dark side away from the ropes and away from the ring. It is a minority, but the sport, has had a few bad eggs, but the mud sticks. That's the sad part and the really hard part to to try and convince those that aren't familiar with combat sports that these guys, these bad ones, yeah, they're bad, but they're minority. That doesn't represent the sport as a whole. Well, it's like saying, you know, one one rugby player, one footy player yep. that, you know, it does something inappropriate with a female, you're going to tar the whole you know, the whole NRL or AFL community because of that one guy. That's right. There's a lot of good, hardworking family men, you know, in the sport and there's good and bad eggs, good and bad eggs everywhere. There's great coppers and there's dodgy coppers. Yep. There's good bikers and bad bikers, you know. Yeah. The every walk of life, doesn't matter if it's a politician or a film producer or a fighter or a footy player or a racing car driver or a street cleaner. Some people will be beautiful people yep. and some people uh, will be a bit dodgy. Yep, there's good people and there's bad people, but somehow the fight game, whenever someone is arrested that has ever remotely tied a glove onto their left hand in training, they yeah. get referred to in the mainstream media as ex-kickboxer or ex-boxer. No. Well, yeah, yeah. That's that's exactly right. You know, they'll, they'll, they always dig into your background and go, well, you know, this guy had a fight. 15 years ago, yep. so he's a kickboxer. Well, when was the last time he trained? You know, there's a lot of guys that, that train initially, go off the tracks, do something else, find, you know, end up end up in front of a magistrate and they'll, they they go back and they look at your history and they go, oh, you fought 10 years ago, so you're a kickboxer. Well, maybe if he kept fighting, he wouldn't have got himself in trouble. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know, right. Do you know what I mean? But, hey, you know, I cop it. I, I go out. And, you know, people meet me for the first time and they'll go, oh, you, you know, be careful what you say because you'll smack you. Oh, it smacks anyone for saying anything wrong. Yeah. You know, it's like just because you're a fighter doesn't mean you run around throwing hands every opportunity you get to, you know. And the real fighters, you know, the, the guys that are, are good people, like, you know, I've had a GSP, Georgia St. Pierre here. I've had, you know, Sam Greco. I've had buddy Dolph Lundgren. You know, all these people that are, you know, martial artists. Um, even even Anderson Silva, these guys are like they're in the ring. They they are warriors. Outside of the ring, they're the, the gentlemen, the, the the nicest people you'll ever meet. Mm. Georgia Saint Pierre GSP. Look at look at that guy's pedigree. You know what? He's an academic. That guy. Yep. The way the way he is out 
If you see him, you think, oh, he's going to run around, he's going to choke everyone out. This, that. No, the guy's an absolute scholar and a gentleman and, and a, a, he's got a kind heart and he's, you know, fighting is a byproduct of what we do. It's not who we are. Fighting mm. is our, our ultimate test. You know, these punks that run around punching on in the street, they're the furthest thing from a fighter than right. someone gets in the ring. If I want to fight, and even Wayne Parr, it's the same, you know. Wayne will, Wayne will run a mile to get away from a confrontation. And have a look, he's had 100, 100, nearly 100 pro fight victories, you know, fought in all disciplines. Yeah. He's never going to fight on the street. Real fighters don't fight on the street. Mm. We, we, do, we do it in the ring for money or, or, you know, for a title or whatever it might be. My thing with going through the martial arts you know, when I was a young man, yes, I had I had a few, you know, anger issues, I, I suppose, or I had a hard upbringing, um, and I just wanted to feel something because I was so numb to life and the world. And me going to training and having that one-to-one combat with another human being, the pain I felt from getting hit made me feel something. And from that, it made me feel alive, and it made me have purpose, and it made me drive myself even harder. Because I thought, you know what, if you hit me and I don't fall over and I can keep going, I can achieve anything in my life. Um, so it's a bit of a metaphor from training to life. So, you know, don't judge fighters. One, what one person does, can't, you can't just paint the whole industry or everyone with that brush, you know. Mm. Real fighters, the elite of the elite and the people that are the most disciplined and get to the, to the world level, the highest level in the world, they're the ones that are going to be the least likely to fight on the street or, or have a go at someone outside of the ring. You split your time now, buddy, between Hammer's Gym and Warrior's Way. Hammer's Gym is your training facility. Nana Wadding down there in Melbourne. Warrior's Way, uh, one of the most successful combat brands in the industry presently. How's the gym going? How are the local shows going? Because God knows it's been a difficult 18 months. <laughs> Yeah, look, it's, it's been difficult for the gyms, especially. And I'm, I've also, um, I'm the president here of the Victorian Amateur Martial Arts Association, which which we promote, you know, grassroots, um, you know, padded fights for amateurs. So, you know, I started doing interclub tournaments years ago, over 25 years ago, which are light contact, you know, entry level tournaments, just to get the feel of being in the ring and sparring someone from another gym without trying to, you know, knock each other out. Yep. So it's all controlled. Then there's the VAMA, which is a, the amateur association I now head up. They're padded fights, 16-ounce gloves, head guards, shin guards, get in, let your full power go, but with a little bit of, you know, safety there with, with regards to the protective equipment. And then the pathway through to the professional ranks. So I'm, I'm involved on all levels. Um, and, you know, COVID's been a challenging time for everybody. So... I'm not going to get the violin out and, and look for any pity. We got shut down. The fitness industry got shut down. And you know what? I'll tell you something. I was told by a finance broker now, just to, just to show you the challenges in the fitness industry, if, if a personal trainer goes to a bank now to get a loan, most personal trainers and people in the fitness industry are blacklisted from getting loans wow. because the financial institutions have found that anyone in our industry during this time of a pandemic is the most susceptible to having their income stop. Therefore, you can't get a loan. So save your pennies if you're in the fitness industry because if something comes around again or you want to buy a house, you better have good good bucks in the bank. So my business got shut down along with every other fitness centre in, in Australia and indeed the world. 
Yeah, we're on the. I was on the cusp of of having Muay Thai Systems International, which is a teaching program that is enabled to be plugged into any gym, go worldwide. Essentially, going to China, Hong Kong, they got hit hard. So, you know, I had probably 200 gyms in China and Asia that were going to come online with me at the end of 2019, the start of 2020, to start to teach my Muay Thai system in their gyms. Well, that's all. That fall, that all fell off the edge of the cliff. My business got shut down. Um, the staff I had to, you know, lay off my staff or get them on JobKeeper, you know, as we did, you know, subsidise them in whatever way I could to keep them, keep them, keep meeting, um, you know. And I thought, this is, this is, you know, I, I, I sat in here and I, and I cried, man. I sat in my office and I, I literally put my hand in my, put my, my, my head in my hands and and I, I cried a bit, you know, because I thought I worked my whole life. And 2020 was going to be my year to travel and enjoy. We were really successful going from strength to strength. My team was good. I was traveling everywhere with one of my fighters on glory. We fought in Germany. We fought in France. We fought in China. We were undefeated on glory. We were top 10 ranked with my pro, uh, my pro fighter, River Daz. I was kicking goals in every way possible. System going international. Everything was falling into place. Bang, right-handed by COVID. So the gym shut down. I had other gyms potentially opening in my area near very nearby, attacking my business as well at the same time. And I thought all I can do now is just improve what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't no use to sit here crying and, and get depressed and get anxiety or fuck whatever else people get these days. It's like just harden up. I said to the boys, you know, we're gonna paint this gym, I'm gonna clean every weight plate, I'm gonna make this place look like it did five years ago when I first opened it. The, this big new facility. So I wanted to be better than when it was new. I took over another area at the back of the building, knocked out a wall, extended, put in more lifting platforms, put in more strength and conditioning equipment. I said, we're coming back bigger and better and we're going to go head to head with anyone that tries to open near me. So we just dug in and then I was like, June, I was like, yeah, we're opening. Here we go. I said, you know what? I went to my accountant and I said, you know, everyone's doing it hard. Um, I want to give everyone a free month. I'm not charging anyone for the for the first month we open now. So it's like, wow, that's you know that you lost a lot already. Now you're chucking more money, and I'm like, I want to get people back. You know, I re- I recognise everyone was scared to come back to to training. So I thought, let's take away the the discretionary spending financial side of it and make it a gift and say, hey, come back, train. It's not costing you nothing. Just get out of your house and let's get back into it. You know. And that was going well until we got shut down again. <laughs> so my little plan of uh, of doing that, I'm like, now now I've just lost three weeks of revenue and I'm getting shut down again. You know, I was just again, I'm like, well, now I'm I'm almost desensitized to whatever was happening. I'm like, just just throw whatever you can at me <laughs> now. I'm just I'm just you know I, I'm going to win this like I won most of my fights from my opponent getting tired. You know I was not the most skillful fucking fighter in the world. I'll tell you that. But most of the guys I fought just got tired of hitting me, and I'm like, now it's my turn, son. You know, so I, I always had a, a very strong head, you know, strong will. And I'm like, you know, when someone throws their best shot at you and you look at them and you're still standing there and they know they've got nothing else, then you know, you see them break mentally. And that was, that was, that's always been my, my, everyone says, what's your best skill? My best skill has always been my mindset, you know, and, and my will to never give up in spite of whatever's coming my way. And I've had a hard childhood and, 
you know, my, my, my natural father was killed when I was five and, you know, my mum lived that, you know, we lived a very hard, challenged life. It's like whatever's going to throw, be thrown at me now, short of it being terminal, I'll deal with it, you know. So we just, I'm still fighting that fight now. I'm still, still just wanting to be the best I can be. Uh, I lost over $250,000. Uh, my business took, you know, pretty much a, a 15 to 20% loss in, in memberships and, and you know, uh, revenue and so forth. You know, big, big loss, but a loss is only a loss when you give up. So I'm not giving up and we're slowly making it back. I'm getting back to where I was in 2019, 100%. Keep throwing punches. It is always a pleasure. We've just gone one-on-one with the hammer, Mark Castanini, and survived. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Andy Raymond Unfiltered. The Legends series arrives at the start of the working week, in-depth and personal interviews with some of the greatest names in sport. The weekly wodge drops in time for your weekend. It's fast-paced and fun with a bit of footy talk, plenty of laughs, guests and specials. On any one show, you'll hear up to a dozen superstars in just 40 minutes. It's a beauty. Then on the weekend, one-on-one. We talk to mixed martial artists, boxers and pro wrestlers, both current and from past generations. Podcasts like you've never heard before. Why? Because it's unfiltered. Make sure you're following us on social media, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at The Andy Raymond. Then you won't miss a thing. Make sure you come back soon, legends.